Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, welcome to Always Hungry from iHeartRadio. My name is Bobby Flay, and I'm here with my daughter and co-host. I'm Sophie Flay. And on Always Hungry, Sophie and I gather around my stove to cook together. Well, you cook, I ask the questions and eat the food. If there's any food left, we come to the table together to share a meal, connect as a family, and tell the stories that matter to us. All right, Sophie, so, you know, I get a lot of questions about how I do certain parts of my job. People always ask about the shows, like... You know, how does the judging work? You know, where do the chefs come from? Like on Beat Bobby Flay, that kind of stuff. And um, like people always want to know like the, you know, BTS, the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of like, I think of anything really. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I get asked about is how, how do I do my cookbooks? I've, how many cookbooks do you have? 16. That is crazy. I think it's, I think the next one, I think the Beat Bobby Flay is the 16th. Wow. And the next one is the 17th, which is going to be, uh, it's going to be with you. Sundays with Sophie. We're allowed to reveal it? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, we should find out. I, it doesn't really matter. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, the bottom line is like I, um, you know, during the quarantine, you know, like everybody, I was cooking three or four meals a day, mm-hmm. and like every day felt like Sunday to me. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I did a piece for CBS Sunday Morning, and it was one of that was one of the lines in my in my stand up, which was like every day feels like Sunday, and that right now, and that's okay because um, we were all kind of going through the, you know, basically locked into our homes for not a short period of time. And uh, we were cooking and, you know, I got, I got asked a lot of questions by a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I don't know um, as to like, you know, how to cook, how to get dinner to the table yeah. on, on, a night, on a nightly and daily basis. And so people really kind of went to the, that sort of comfort thing. But the thing I loved about it was that it got everybody back to the table in their family's house. Mm-hmm. And... Which is not, which is something that I think that we've sort of lost. That's sort of the lost art of of family eating, which is getting everybody around the table because everybody eats on the go, or they or they go to a drive through, yeah. or they they're ordering in, or you know they're eating, <laughs> yeah. on, you know, they're eating in their car on their way to work or mm-hmm. away from work. You know, it's like we, 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 this country as a as a as a country is so everybody's so busy. Yeah, you know, but you go to Europe, like people are still like sitting around the table every night with their family. It's kind of great. So like that was a, a silver lining of it all. You you know got to get back to the table, you know, and discuss the matters of the day, whatever they were. It was really nice. But anyway, getting back to the cookbook situation. So basically, you know, especially for somebody like me who is a professional chef, has restaurants, etc. You know, we're not like authors in the traditional sense of the word, you know? And I shouldn't speak for everybody because there are plenty of people who are professional chefs that just sit down and write the books by themselves. I don't do it that way. What I do is I get a lot of help from a lot of people. My books always start with something that I'm passionate about at that moment. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it it all revolves around the food that I'm cooking then and what I'm interested in Right. And so, you know, my very first cookbook was something called Bold American Food, which was the food of the of, of the American Southwest, but I was cooking it in New York City. It was, Mesa, you know, Mesa Grill was my, you know, the first restaurant that I owned. So it was all these Southwestern ingredients and the food was very, you know, boldly flavored. You know, it was, you know, lots of chili peppers, lots of roasted garlic, toasted garlic, et cetera, things like that. You know, tomatillos and you know yeah. things that were, that had big flavors. And it was like the first time that this country was really interested in eating food that wasn't sort of one note. You know, it was time. Right. It was time to kind of wake up our taste buds. And that was my first book, Bold American Food. And everybody laughs. All my friends, including you, laugh at me about that big book because on the cover of the book, <laughs> in this little little round picture of me in my. Um, in a vest with a white T-shirt, yeah. and it looks like I'm in a boy band. I have to look it up. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's so good. What do you, what do you mean it's so good? It's so good because you can laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. When I I remember when I posted because I was posting these dishes as I was making them during the quarantine. Yeah. And when I posted the chicken piccata, people just like flipped out. I'm like. Wow, it's chicken piccata. <laughs> but that's what you realize is that as a professional chef, you realize that most people want things that are simple and things that they recognize. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, basically it's, you know, it's some kind of protein and you pan saute it and then you take it out and you hit the pan with some white wine, you deglaze it and let's say it's chicken, you get all the scraps from the chicken that was in the bottom of the pan, you scrape it up, it becomes part of the sauce. You add some capers, some lemon, some butter, some parsley, boom. 
Just put it right on top of the chicken. It's delicious. So good, yeah. All right, Sophie, so I'm going to show you how to make a classic piccata. And, you know, chicken piccata is probably the most well-known. I'm going to make a swordfish piccata. And there's different renditions of it. You can put some cherry tomatoes in if you want. It's not classically piccata, but, like, that works too. So I just, I'm starting with some canola oil in a pan. And uh, I have salt and pepper. I'm, I'm using a swordfish steak. If you want to use a fish, like tuna or swordfish is good because it's like a steak-like fish. Kind of emulates like kind of like a chicken breast, so to speak. And that this is wonder flour, which is flour that's already been steamed, so it's already cooked, so it doesn't get clumpy. It actually makes it lighter. I like using wonder flour in certain things. So you have to cook the rawness out, okay? And then I'm gonna go right to the hot oil. You hear that sizzle? Oh yeah. And then you just wanna let that. You want the. You want the flour to cook on, the, on that side. The salt and pepper becomes part of the fish itself. And obviously, you want, to, you want it to be, you know, a little crusty on one side. Mm -hmm. You want that good contrast of texture, for sure. So the, the key to that is to, like, don't flip and turn it until you can, see, you can start to see the edges start a little bit, um, get a little bit brown around the edges. Okay. But anyway, getting back to how it gets done. First of all, there's something that people don't know about me, which is that I do like to write. I write all the things that are really important to me. And when I have to speak about something, whether it's like giving a speech or a, or a talk, or when I do my video essays on CBS Sunday Morning, for instance, I write every single word of those. Mm -hmm. And then in my books, I write a good amount of it, but I also get help in terms of shaping the book itself. Because there's the one thing that the one thing that you learn as somebody who writes a cookbook for the for the first time. Like a lot of times, like you know, a chef will open a restaurant, the chef will get hot, then all of a sudden, like a publisher will come along and say, "Would you like to write a cookbook?" And if they're not, you know, if they don't come from the literary world prior to their cooking world, they probably need help doing it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is you find a co-author. And you know it could be a ghostwriter or it could be an actual co-author. I don't I don't like the idea of a ghostwriter because then you're not really crediting that person for writing it. Right. Um, and so I've always had co-authors. Um, my first co-author was a woman named Joan Schwartz, who wrote a few of my books with me. And then Julia Moskin, who now writes for the New York Times, wrote a few of my books with me. She can't do that anymore because she writes for the New York Times, mm -hmm. so it would be a conflict of interest. But and then Stephanie Banias, who was my longtime assistant, took over that role as co-author and did, you know, I don't know how many books Stephanie did with me, probably six or eight or nine or ten. I can't even remember. Um, and then, you know, just recently I started working with a woman named Emily Timberlake. No relation to Justin, I don't think. <laughs> but who knows? I haven't seen her dance moves. Um, and uh, you know, and so so Emily and Emily has been, you know. You know, terrific writing this yeah. this next book with with us, and um, you know, what's the role of a co-author? So, so basically, I the way it works is I come up with the recipes, and I come up with the and basically I come up with the recipe titles and the ingredients, and I'm really not good at writing down recipes. Like, I'm not good at like you know, me I don't measure. No, you eye everything. I eyeball everything. Oh so, my god. So you know, like I have to have somebody test them. You know, Stephanie Banyas would test a lot of them prior to that. 
and you know when she was writing the books with me. But this this time, I hired a woman named Susie Vu who worked. I I originally met Susie at the Food Network kitchens. She's worked on tons of my shows. She worked in the Food Network kitchen for a long time, et cetera. She still works with them from time to time. But Sue 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 Vu is like you know she's a machine when it comes to you know cooking and testing recipes and stuff like that. So basically, what I did for this book was I gave her all of the recipe titles and and as much of the ingredients as I as as I remembered, and then she started testing them, and we kind of went back and forth, you know. And she's got a great palate, so I really trusted her in terms of like whether she thought that the flavors were right and the textures were right, et cetera, and this and that. And you know, we kind of adjust as we go. So then you to then you know uh, I'm rolling past this pretty fast, but that's a long process. Yeah, of you know? course. So then now then we have the recipes and they and then we give the recipes. First of all, I, I look them over to make sure that they're right, but then we give the recipes to Emily, who's the co-author, and then she puts them in like the recipe style that my particular publisher wants. And that you know I've been working with Clarkson Potter for a really long time. And my, you know, and then she works with my editor, Jan Sit, who, so I mean. There's so many people so involved. Many, and, I'm just, and I'm just getting going. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. thing, this is the thing that you have to understand. This is not, this is not like, I don't like, you know, sit down on my computer one night and write the book, right. you know, by myself. It doesn't happen. preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents she's got all of these maseratis and bentleys all in the driveway is it like a mansion yes it's a mansion that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous (laughs) of your generation that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come on. And then, um... And there's all, all, all kinds of different parts to the book. So the head notes. So each a head note would be like the paragraph or two above the recipe that tells a story or right. a, a story or an inspirational mm-hmm. moment of, of of the of the recipe, or it might even just talk about the recipe itself and why what you what you should look look at when you're making it, or why why I like the recipe, whatever. It's just a short sort of you know. Synopsis, not a synopsis, but it's a short, you know, thought process of that particular recipe. Right. And I have been writing those myself. Sally Jackson, sometimes, who's also like my chief of staff, but also is a great writer, like she works with me sometimes on those as well, where like she'll just sort of take dictation from me and like and and write them. But the last few books, I'm just I've been actually literally just writing them myself. 
Um, and then there's like chapter openings, you know. Right. You know, like to you, set you up for each for chapter. The, for each and- chapter, and so the co-author, like Emily, would write write that, or whoever the co-author was for the, that particular book would would sort of would take a shot at writing that. I would take a look at it. I might say a couple of things that I wanted included in it. But for the most part, at that point, they're writing in my voice. Right. You know, that's what happens is they is they're not writing in their voice; they're writing in my voice, and like that, that relationship doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it, right. it take it takes some time, and you do have to as the as the primary author, you do have to spend time with your co-author. You know, talking a lot about you know why you're doing this book and why these recipes are important. Yeah. To you. And you know, telling stories about why you know why, why this book is even existing, mm-hmm. so that they understand your your voice. And so Emily's been really good at that. Um, Stephanie obviously knew me like the back of her hand, so <laughs> yeah. that was never that was never really an issue. Um, and then there's things like the um, the introduction, which I write. You know, the introduction to every book to me is like it's like me writing. You know, basically the essay of the book, and so right. I write every single word of it. Um, I have other people that I trust read it. You know, obviously one would be my co-author, one would be Sally. You know, and they'll they'll read it and give me their opinion. And you know, with the exception of grammar, I don't usually let them change it because mm-hmm. I want my voice to be my voice. Yeah. Even if it's not incredibly polished, you know, with, yeah, that my, makes sense. with my pen. I mean, it's my voice. It yeah. is who it is. You have to remember, I dropped out of high school when I was in tenth grade, so it's like I don't have. I'm not a literary major, <laughs> you know. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I don't have my master's in writing. Right. So when I was when I was talking to you before about like passion of this, it started out with bold American food because I was cooking that kind of food, and then I opened Bolo, which was in a Mediterranean restaurant, and that was a and that was a book called From My Kitchen to Your Table, and it was a lot of like. Oven to table things like family I don't know style if I've dishes. Seen that one, that that book, yeah, yeah, that was like that was the sophomore book, so it kind of got overlooked a little bit. Mm. Um, and then I and then I cook. I made a book called. Um, I made a book. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote a book called Bobby Flay Cooks American, and it literally came out on nine eleven. Whoa! So we obviously did not promote it. Um, nobody who cares about a cookbook at that you know at yeah. that moment of time. You don't even remember that. I mean, kind no, of. Not. I mean, not barely, really. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so that book literally never launched. It just kind of it, it was it was produced and just kind of sat in boxes. Yeah. Never really had its had a chance. And then I wrote the Bar American Cookbook. I wrote the Mesa mm-hmm. Grill Cookbook as Mesa Grill matured. It was sort of the second version of the Bold American Food Book. And then a slew of grilling books, you know, from Boy Meets Grill to Boy Gets Grill. <laughs> Okay, then we did Grilling for Life and then um, Barbecue Addiction also. So, mm-hmm. you know, the grilling books, you know, really had, had a big run. I was, I, was, I, was, I was cooking a lot outdoors and that's when I, you know, started doing a lot of grilling outside on, on Food Network. So people knew me for that as well. Yeah. Uh, grilling for Life, I did it because I, was, I decided to sort of get, you know, healthier in my life. I did, a sh- I did a book called Burgers, Fries, and Shakes when we opened Bobby's Burger Palace. So good. So, so you can see like, you know, of course, we did the Throwdown Cookbook, the Beat Bobby Flay Cookbook. So some of the books are, you know, people want those recipes from some of those successful shows. Mm-hmm. So that gets done. Yeah. So then that's basically, you know, and then Bobby at Home, which is I, th- I would say Bobby at Home is one of my favorite ones. It's just because it's, it's a good, it's such a good one. It's Bobby at Home because yeah. I'm at home. 
You know, yeah. it's like cooking. And I think like this next book that I'm doing with you is definitely a version of that, mm-hmm. except I got you. And <laughs> so it's better. Um, <laughs> we have some um, lemon juice or lemons. I'm going to squeeze the juice in. Some white wine and uh, capers. My favorite and yours. Yes, I can and smell them. Some butter, some unsalted whole butter. And, um, and I'm going to take some parsley, chop this up. You can use other herbs if you wanted to, like oregano will work nicely. In the summer, basil might works nice. So I'm just going to chop up some flat leaf Italian parsley, parsley chop. And those, those are going to the very end. We can take a look at our swordfish. One more second. Make sure it's nice and brown. Do you like a piccata? Love. Yeah, so this is this is like one of the like to me this is one of the key dishes to you know my new cookbook. About you know basically but it's a great Sunday night meal. Great for a great family style meal yeah. as well. So I just want to cook the swordfish till it's just cooked. And then basically this is all about just like making making a pan sauce right in the pan. So it's a nice, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot less cleanup, which is also nice when you're cooking at home. Kind of like a golden brown color right now. Yeah, really, yeah, golden brown. You want that contrast to texture. If you don't, if you put it in while the oil is too cold, it's gonna boil in the oil and you're not gonna oh. get any color. Basically, you're basically gonna be poaching it in the oil right. and like, that's, that's not good. But anyway, so the photos, you know, the photos obviously for a cookbook are incredibly important. And uh, so I've been working with Ed Anderson for the last, I don't know, five or six books. And, you know, he's such a good photographer because he just shoots in his very organic way. Also, he's quick, which I like too. Um, And uh, he doesn't overthink the shots. He's just trying to like take it for what it is. And when he's shooting me cooking, he's just shooting me cooking. And like he, like he'll, he'll, like shoot me making a pasta dish and who knows how many frames he's shot, <laughs> 150 in, in a very short period of time. Yeah. There's got to be one good one in there somewhere, right? right? And, and, and that's, the way he, that's the way he thinks about it. And so, you know, um, I hired the photographer, the, the, the publishing house, you know, obviously has a say-so in terms of what they want the book to be designed like. You know, there's a, there's a full design for the book itself. Yeah. You know, and it's things like the colors of the of the cookbook, inside and out, and the, what the font looks like. How big is the font? Right. You know, where the photo's going to go. How many full picture photos are there? It's like, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to do. And then, you know, the photo shoots go on for days and days and days. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you and I are, are sitting right now in my house and in the kitchen, there's one, two, three, four people who've who've been prepping all the food for the. We, you know, we're in the middle of doing the photo shoot right now, and part of the photo shoot is just the photo, just the pictures of the food themselves, what they call beauty shots. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are you and I cooking some stuff, and right. so that there's that there's you know personality in the book itself, so it's not just food. Um, and that's you know depending on what the cookbook is. That's really important. When you started thinking about this book, what were like some of the first dishes that came to mind? For this book? Yeah. Um, like I'm so excited that the shrimp pasta 
dishes in this cookbook. I know, you were actually eating that today. So the shrimp pasta is a, is a dish that I would say most of my friends think is one of my favorite, di- one of their best dishes. By far. Right? Yeah. So just so you know what it is, it's shrimp with um, a pasta called malfadine, which is like, it looks like almost like lasagna sheets, mm-hmm. you know? So it's got some crinkly edges to it. And what I do is when I go to the store, I ask the fishmonger for the shrimps with the shells on. And I take the shells off, clean the shrimp, and I save the shells and I make a shrimp stock. And the shrimp stock becomes a big part of the flavor in this dish. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, so then I, I cook the pasta and I have the shrimp stock. So I have the shrimp stock and then I, I put some saffron threads in the shrimp stock. So now I have a saffron shrimp stock. And then, so I saute the shrimp, I add some garlic and some lemon juice, a little bit of white wine, and then I have the shrimp stock, some butter, and then I cook the pasta, I throw the, potter, I throw the pasta in there, a little bit of the pasta water, and um, <clears throat> the shrimp goes back in after I saute it, and I put some fresh herbs like basil and parsley, and a little bit of butter, and I put a little parmesan Reggiano cheese. Now, now, some people will say like, oh... Yeah. Fish. Shrimp and cheese, that's not cool. Yeah. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> it tastes good. It's And especially like good quality Parmigiano-Reggiano, it's like nutty and it's salty. Like what's wrong with that? Okay, it, so for that dish, could I say I didn't want to buy the shrimp with the shells on? Yeah. Could I just buy de-shell, de-veined shrimp, shrimp and then just shrimp stock? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But can you find shrimp stock that easily? I don't know. I'll take a look. Yeah. <laughs> I hate I hate doing all that to the shrimp. Doing what? Cleaning them? Yeah. Yeah, nobody likes cleaning shrimp, but Right, so I'm trying to find an easier way no, to make my favorite pasta. No, I know, I know. But I mean that's but I have to say like that is the key of the flavor. Mm. And I put like a little tomato paste in the in the shrimp stock so you, you know it gets that that fruity so acidic flavor. to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need God to show you your next step because God I can't stay where I am like I am where it is this isn't going to work I I have to move on but I don't know where a lot of time you'll use it as an excuse well I don't know how I don't know where I don't know what God if you show me God if you tell me God no 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 you know enough right now and if you needed to know more he would show you hey this is Stephen Furtick I want to invite you to listen to my podcast Elevation with Stephen Furtick I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life for the times when you feel discouraged for the times that you need guidance from God I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to take the swordfish out. Just put it on the plate. 
I'm gonna get rid of some of this excess oil. And then we're gonna deglaze the pan with some white wine. Squeeze some lemon juice in there. Fresh lemon juice, yum. So you get some acidity from the, uh, from the wine. And you know, you're, you're, you're cooking out the alcohol, you're saving the flavor of the grape, and you're also getting some acidity from the, uh, from the wine itself. And then we're gonna, gonna let that cook down a little bit, add a few capers. Yes. Let it reduce for a second. And then we're gonna add some butter, and the butter is going to give it, you know, obviously some richness. There's a lot of butter. Look, not really. It's also going to thicken the sauce. It's going to mm -hmm. emulsify. Yeah. You just kind of swirl it around. You're just eating the capers right out of the jar. So good. All right, so you know, you want the sauce to be kind of light, but flavorful. Are you liking the capers? I just love capers so much. And at the very, very end, just before you plate it, you put the fresh herbs in. Always add fresh herbs at the very last second. You can see how nice and bright green yeah. they get. And then you just pour the sauce over the swordfish. Mmm. That's it. Gorge. Have recipes ever come to you in a dream? All the time. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised that you asked me that question. I, Because I, I always think about how Paul McCartney said that yesterday came to him in a dream. It's like one of the most covered songs of all time. And I, so I was just curious if that ever happened to you. I dream about food all of the time. And a lot of times it's finished dishes or I'm cooking something in a pan and I'm looking over it. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I jot them down right away. It's usually when I'm like in the middle of doing a menu for one of my current restaurants or a new restaurant. Right, and, and just uh, like, and like in your subconscious. <laughs> I mean, it's like my juices are flowing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Or I'm writing a cookbook or something like that. Mm -hmm. When I really, like obviously, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is food. Right. And, the, and it's probably the last thing I think about when I go to bed. But I constantly have ingredients and dishes and restaurants, et cetera, always rolling through my head. But when I'm really focused on trying to be creative, like for instance, you know, at Amalfi, my Vegas place, like I just had to change a handful of dishes for the, you know, for the for the winter. Um, you know, I was dreaming about food then, about like side dishes and yeah, stuff like that. That's but so interesting. I came up with a dish as a side dish the other night. You know, basically from dreaming about it, and now a lot of times they're not exactly the way you think they're going to be because there's a dream so there's always right. something weird happening right. <laughs> but so it's never like and then there's onions and garlic and then you and crispy shallots <laughs> yeah. on top it's like you know? being written out but I see it somehow yeah. like I a lot of times I see it finished and then I decipher it and, and when I wake up I decipher it in my head as to what I thought it was mm. so I've been thinking about white beans a lot and I've always wanted to have some sort of white bean dish on mm. the menu at Amalfi as a side dish or something. Okay. And um, also Christina likes white beans, so whatever. I get influenced by my girlfriend sometimes. But <laughs> So I'm doing like a white bean risotto. So instead of rice, it's, it's sort of a play on, it's not a true risotto. Right. But the white beans would be, would take the place of the rice. So it's like, it's interesting. Um, it's white beans that are, you know, cannellini beans that are cooked fully. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then they're, 
it has like uh, like some broth, and then it has Parmigiano Reggiano cheese melted into it, some butter, some crushed red peppers, and then tiny little florets of like broccoli rabe running through it, and then some little cherry tomatoes, but confit on top. So, Yum. so it's like it's a very kind of like almost like soupy like, but kind of like held together with the cheese and the butter, mm. white beans, garlicky. A little spicy broccoli rabe running through it, cherry tomatoes on top. I just think it's gonna. I haven't started it. Yet. I'm gonna do it in about a week, but it's a dish that I think is gonna go really good with all the grilled fish on the menu. Oh, cool! You know, it's a side dish. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, that, that's that's an example of you know something that I, that I dreamt about. And then when I write the uh, the Amalfi Cookbook one day, <laughs> who knows when that's gonna happen? But that could that could happen. You know, when I write the like the Amalfi Restaurant Cookbook one day. You know, maybe that dish will be in it. Yeah, <clears throat> interesting. Okay, and what's um, what's your favorite uh, to, to wrap it up? What's your favorite dessert in this cookbook? Oh, in this cookbook, a mm, couple things. I like the uh, strawberry crostata. I'm a crostata guy because I love crostatas. You know why I'm a crostata guy? Why? Two reasons. Number one, it's Italian. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, here we it's, go. And, and it's and it's like it's and it's casual. It's free form. Mm-hmm. And also, I can do it. <laughs> and that's the thing I like about it. It's yeah. a very rustic f- tart. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't have to like perfectly put it into like a pie dish or anything like yeah. that or a tart pan. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, look perfect because it's a crostata. So it's a free form, you know, pastry dough with fruit cooked into, inside of it. Um, yeah. So I, and also I like the butterscotch pudding, it's got oh. real scotch in it. So good. My feeling is if it doesn't have butter and it doesn't have scotch in it, it's not butterscotch. <laughs> I mean, I like literal. I, li- I like. I like the literal translation. Yeah, that's it. fair. All right. Well, let's go eat some of that. You got it. Always hungry is created by Bobby Flay and Sophie Flay. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. Always hungry is produced, edited, and mixed by Jonathan Hostressler. Always Hungry is engineered by Sophie Flay. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.